Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. If you've already filed your 2022 taxes, maybe you weren't happy with the results. Maybe too much or too little was withheld from your paycheck. Hi, I'm Rob West. The solution is to fill out a new W-4 form with your employer. Now, a lot of folks would rather have a cavity filled, but the process is easier than you think. I'll take you through it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, as followers of Christ, we are to pay what we fairly owe in taxes. Jesus himself said in Matthew twenty two twenty one, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So we must pay our taxes, but we also don't want to overpay. That means having enough withheld from your paycheck to avoid getting hit with a penalty. It also means not having too much withheld. Both are forms of overpayment. The W-4 form determines how much the IRS will withhold from your paycheck and will affect the amount of your refund, if any. Ideally, you want to come close to having only what you'll owe in taxes withheld. You don't want a big refund because that's essentially an interest-free loan to Uncle Sam. And as I said, it's a type of overpayment because you're denied use of that money. And again, if too little is withheld, well, you'll pay a penalty. Now, when filling out the form, you'll need to account for all jobs for you and your spouse if you're married, plus any additional income, credits, and deductions available to you. By the way, you can download a blank W-4 form at irs.gov. Now, here's how you fill out the form. Step one, enter your personal information, including name, address, social security number, and tax filing status. You can choose from single, married filing separately, married filing jointly, qualifying widow, or head of household. You can actually stop after this and let your employer fill out the rest with default levels, but that probably won't give you as accurate a result as you'll get by filling in the rest. Step two is to list all of your income for you and your spouse, including self-employment. Here you have three options. You can use an online estimator. There's one available at irs.gov and many other places. This works best if you have income from self-employment because it allows for those taxes, both halves of FICA, in addition to income taxes. Or you can use the worksheet attached to the W-4 form. This or the estimator are often preferred if you have multiple jobs and you'd rather not give your employer information about the other income. Or you can just check the box to have your employer withhold at the default rate. That seems easy, but it may result in too much taken out of your checks and a big refund check. Again, you don't want that. 
So you probably want to go with the online estimator or the worksheet to get the best results. Remember, the whole idea is to maximize your paycheck amount while still covering your tax liability for the year. Now, step three, you want to claim your children and other dependents. Make sure that only one spouse claims child-related tax credits on the W-4, and those credits should be claimed by the spouse with the greater income. Otherwise, too little will be withheld. After you complete this step, your employer should know exactly how much to decrease your withholding to allow for your children, other dependents, and any other tax credits. Now, for step four, here you list any other items that will affect your withholding, such as income apart from your job that you expect to receive that won't have withholding. Listing this will increase your withholding. Also, deductions other than the standard deduction that you expect to claim, these would lower your withholding. And finally, extra withholding. You can specify how much extra you'd like withheld for any reason, but again, don't go overboard. Now, just as with child tax credits in step four, only one spouse should claim additional income and deductions. And last, step five, you've done the hard part. Now all you have to do is sign and date your new W-4 form and hand it in to your employer. So those are the steps to filling out your new W-4 form. We hope it gets you very close to hitting the nail on the head with your withholding for 2023. Again, a reminder, the reason you don't want that big check I want it in your monthly budget so you can attach a name to it and get it where you need it to go so that you can have margin to save for your goals that align with your values and your priorities. All right, we're going to take your calls next. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. At Faith and Finance, we're on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word. We're working to meet people right where they are through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from this program, would you consider becoming a monthly Faith and Finance patron? Check out all of the benefits of a Faith and Finance patron's membership at faithfi.com and click Give on the homepage. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Thanks for joining us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions. I've got a few lines open. What are you thinking about today? Let's tackle it together. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. To Spokane we go. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that we had an opportunity to purchase a condo for my daughter while she was attending school. And she has now graduated, and we're, we're thrilled she's 
she's moving onward and upward. And um, now we have a question about this condo. Um, I have two other kids that will be attending the school. And um, so they'll be living in there. But in the interim, there's about a year where we're going to be renting it out. So um, my daughter was just asking, um, do we need to pay taxes on that? And how do we tithe on that? And who who actually files the taxes if we do need to? Because we are both co-owners. And we're not making an income on it right now. But um, yeah, I just want to know the best best way to move forward. Yeah, very good. Uh, so all rental income is reported on your tax return. Uh, in general, the associated expenses can be deducted from that rental income. And so you would probably want to get, if you don't use a CPA, this would be the year to do it just so they can figure out exactly what your income is over and above the expenses associated with this business that you're running, essentially this rental property that you're bringing in some income on. But there's obviously costs associated with that. So it's not all pure profit to you. And, uh, you know, they can help you determine how much tax needs to be paid and what portion is reported on your 1040 versus your daughter and whether or not she even has to file a return, depending upon how much income is there for her portion. She may be under the standard deduction and wouldn't need to. Uh, Beyond that, in terms of the tithe, we'd kind of apply the same idea here, Tammy, is that, you know, 100% of this money, it's not like your income or an inheritance or, you know, a a benefit you're receiving, this is essentially a business. And 100% of the money you're getting in rental income is not actually part of your increase because you have expenses associated with running this business, this, you know, rental property that you have. And so, you know, essentially what you determine is, okay, based on this income that we're getting every month from rent, how much expense do we have every month? What do we need, you know, to put aside for, uh, you know, taxes and insurance? and we've got maintenance along the way and that type of thing. So perhaps you'd look at it on a quarterly basis or maybe even on an annual basis just to determine, okay, over this 12 months, what did we bring in uh, in income? And then what expenses did we have against that? If you had a mortgage, you'd have uh, interest expense. You'd have, uh, at the very least, property taxes, uh, homeowner's insurance, you know, that type of thing. And so I think from that standpoint, then once you come up with a true profit number, let's say, for the year, then you could say, okay, that's my increase that I was able to bring now back into my personal finances. And then I'm going to apply the principle of the tithe and and give a tenth. And a similar process, although it'd be a little different, uh, would be applied in in your CPA determining what in fact um, uh, of this rental income is taxable. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. All righty. Put us in the right direction. Thank you so Good. much. Good. You're welcome, Tammy. Thanks for calling. God bless you. Uh, let's see. To Cleveland, Tennessee. Hey, David, go right ahead, sir. Good. Uh, thank you for your broadcast, and I love your ministry. Uh, quick question. The Social Security Administration, their website, there is a place on there. I don't know if you're, I guess you're familiar with it, where you can log in and set up an account called My SSA. Are you familiar with that? I am. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, which, where it shows your income from your very first job on up to now, and then, of course, it gives right. you the, the graphs across the top about your retirement, early retirement, and full retirement. My question is, I went through an ugly divorce several years ago, and those totals at the top, how much of, does she get a portion of that, or is that already taken out, or how does that work? 
Yeah, your benefits won't be affected by her ability to collect a spousal benefit, even as a divorcee. So there are some rules with regard to whether or not she remarries and how long you all were married prior to the divorce. But, uh, you know, her ability to collect on her spousal benefit, even after a divorce, has no bearing on the benefit that you will receive based on your own work record. So the numbers that you're seeing there on my Social Security which give you, you know, that personalized estimate of your future benefits based on your real earnings, your last statement, your earnings history, you know, all of that information is in fact what you would be entitled to at those at those various points when you begin to collect. Gotcha. Okay, that question was always in the back of my mind and I wasn't sure about it, but I appreciate you uh, bringing that to my attention. Absolutely, David. Thanks for calling, sir. God bless you. Uh, let's head to Ohio. Hi, Judy. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I am 64 and just retired. My husband will retire hopefully in about three years. We went to a dinner that for someone who claimed they were a um, retirement advisor, not doesn't yeah. we need, versus just a, anyways. He told us that um, based on um, the money that we have with this one person, which is a 401k at IRAs, our home, our not our home, our annuity he set up that. We have almost a million dollars, and he said this man is probably taking um, as much as 2% of that money annually uh, for his fees, which he said comes out to about $13,000 that he gets every year. Um, is that out of line, or is that how all – I mean, are we paying way too much to this man just for – we don't really do anything but sit on the money. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can get around that or that's fair. Sure. So now the person that bought you the dinner uh, that gave you this information, did he actually look at your statements to determine the percent you're paying? Or is he just saying, I suspect that's what you're paying? Uh, well, that was what he said in the general meeting. He looked at our statements and um, we were going to talk to him again. But he said, as a okay. rule, that's what financial planners will charge. Yeah, uh, generally not 2%. So usually one to one and a half percent would be customary, but only for those assets where they have discretion, meaning they're investing those assets. So that typically wouldn't be a 401k or an annuity, but it could be that IRA money. So I would visit with your advisor now just to say, hey, can you disclose in plain English exactly what I'm paying and for what services and get a bit more information? My only concern is, you know, a lot of times these folks who buy you dinner, uh, you know, are looking to sell you a, an expensive, uh, you know, insurance product that they're going to generate a lot of commissions on. So I just want to make sure that you're getting good information. It would not be out of the ordinary for the person who's managing your investment account or accounts uh, to be charging you between one and one and a half percent a year. Two percent would be a little high, especially on the portfolio you're talking about that uh, you're talking about. But that wouldn't be across the board. Again, that would just be for the accounts that where they're actually making the buy and sell decisions, which wouldn't typically include your 401k or an annuity. So I'd probably visit with your advisor, ask for an explanation on exactly what fees you're paying and what that comes out to per year. And again, that should be in a one to one and a half percent range. But I think in my opinion, that's well worth it. That is normal and customary. And it gives you the benefit of having somebody that's waking up every day thinking about, you know, how to invest this money and protect it and grow it for you. And I would prefer you continue that route as opposed to, you know, buying an insurance product 
product from somebody that's trying to sell that to you, you know, after buying you dinner. Um, if you wanted a second opinion, I'd feel more comfortable if you get a second opinion from a certified kingdom advisor on our website who could look over everything. And uh, you'd just go to our website, faithfi.com, click find a CKA and find one that's near you. But that would be my best advice, okay? Thank you. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay. God bless thanks you. Bye-bye. So we'll be right back. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The credit union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian credit counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. We'd love to hear from you with whatever you're thinking about today. Uh, by the way, let me mention, uh, if you haven't checked out the FaithFi app, we'd love for you to check it out today. It really is the premier destination if you want to manage money God's way, both in terms of a money management system, the actual tracking and handling of your money to stay on budget throughout the month, but also to access the greatest, or I would say, uh, the leading content videos, podcasts, articles on biblical finance, and our community where folks are posting questions all the time. You can learn more and download it today at faithfi.com. All right, back to the phones to Frankfort, Illinois. Hi, Sherry. You're next on the program. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, my, my husband was involved in a class action suit, um, and unfortunately, um, he passed away about 11 months ago. And they told me that they're getting ready to settle this, and I did all the paperwork, and they said that the payment would go to me, but now they're saying that I need a probate attorney. So I know nothing about that or if that's even, if I do need that or not. Um, Sure. Well, never a bad idea to get the legal counsel, and it would be a probate attorney that would uh, offer legal advice in this situation. Did he uh, pass away, Sherry, with a will, and was there an executor involved? No, no. I have since made a will for my children in in case something should happen to me. Okay. Yeah, good. Uh, Yeah, so if he had a will, that would have named an executor, and that executor would handle this. In the absence of an executor and a will, I think a probate attorney is what you're going to need to make sure this is done uh, properly. You may have to file with the probate court uh, that your husband died intestate, which means without a will, and that process can vary state by state, and that's where a probate attorney would help you uh, make sure that this is handled appropriately. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. 
You're welcome. If you don't know of someone, Sherry, you could reach out to a certified kingdom advisor there in Frankfurt. Uh, you'll find them on our website at faithfi.com. Click find a CKA and just ask for a referral to a, a godly probate attorney, uh, somebody who can help you navigate this. You could call your church as well and maybe ask for a recommendation. But yeah, that'll be the uh, the professional that'll give you some wise counsel here and help you navigate it. I'm so sorry to hear about your husband's passing, and uh, we're delighted that you called today. God bless you. To Spring Hill, Florida. Hey, Chuck, how can I help you? Hey, Rob, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm, uh, last year when the uh, interest rates were pretty low, we went ahead and refinanced our mortgage. It's a 15-year mortgage, and I took money out uh, to put in a money market fund to replace our roof and other things that might come along that we need to do. So we put took out uh, about $22,000 and put it in a money market account, just let it sit there. That was last March we did that. And uh, my my question now is, um, I mean, we're uh, I'm civil service retired, and we do get a little bit of Social Security, but not a lot. And my wife uh, is getting Social Security off of mine. So with that in mind, the money, the little bit of money that we can save, uh, should I put that back into the house at my age now, or should I just keep putting that into the money market account in case things happen? Yeah. How many months worth of expenses do you have in money in your savings account? I've got about six months right now. That's with okay. that twenty-two thousand. So, but okay. a lot of that's right. going to go for the roof. So, <laughs> yeah. How much do you think you'll have left after the roof? How many months' expenses? Uh, maybe a third of that. Okay. All right. So you'd still have at least four months' expenses. And did you say you are retired now, or you're going to retire? No, no, I'm, I've been retired for, for okay. a while and I, I don't, okay. I can't work anymore. So. Okay. Very good. And do you have all of your bills covered and then have some left over at the end of the month? We, we do have our bills covered and, but very little left over. <laughs> I mean, okay. everything, I have everything budgeted. So it's a, a zero budget. So the money's going somewhere. But uh, a very small amount of that is going to savings in which I'm putting into the money market account. All right. And how much do you have left on that 15-year mortgage? What's the balance? Uh, about 50000 All right. And based on your current payoff, are you just paying the, the scheduled payment every month? Yes, I am. So what do you have left, 13 years or so? Uh. Well, yeah, 14 years, because we just 14. redid it in March of last oh, year. So. okay, only a year ago. Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, if you would have called me before you took it out, I'd say, let's not, you know, take cash out of the house just to put in savings. But, you know, that's already done. And, you know, I think I like the fact that you're, you've got this four to six months expenses in uh, emergency savings here in this season of life. But I think I'd love for you to also to get rid of that mortgage completely. Um, so I think I wouldn't pull any out of that savings to pay it down, but I would, as you have money available, for instance, you know, perhaps you start redirecting it rather than additional savings to principal reduction. Because when we get that paid off, uh, Chuck, if we can do that in, in let's say, five or six years instead of 14, uh, you know, that's the the largest 
expense you have in your budget's now gone, and you've got even more margin on a monthly basis, which just gives you more flexibility. Now, after you dip into that six months to put the roof on, if you wanted to build it back up to six months before you start accelerating that mortgage, I think you could certainly do that, and that gives you a little more cushion. But I like the idea of, of you getting rid of this mortgage you know, as quick as you can, as long as you don't put yourself in a position where you just don't have enough in the way of reserves. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yes, it does. I, so as long as I've got that, I try to want to try to keep that six month cushion if possible. And then uh, in the money market. So I've got something to to fall back on in case. of. That's problems. right. And, you know, that's not a magic number, but that just gives you quite a bit of flexibility that, you know, if you I'd realize you're not worried about a disruption in your income because you're not working anymore, but just something that comes out of left field that, you know, now you have the ability to to rely on that and, and you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, putting that on a credit card or something like that. So I think I just kind of keep that six month target in my mind uh, as a as a good rule of thumb. If we can keep it there, then we can focus in on accelerating that mortgage payoff. Great. OK, thank you very much, Rob. You have a All right. day. Yeah, and you as well, Chuck. We appreciate you calling. And that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? Make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.